You're watching the number one source for insight into the economy, stocks, cryptocurrencies, and revolutionary trends. From sea to shining sea and across the globe, this is The Cody Willard Show. Brought to you by TradingWithCody.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Cody Willard Show. Today, I have another very special guest. I've been a fan of David K. Johnston for many years, and he used to come on Fox Business because I requested him, and I bet you haven't been back on Fox since then. David K. Johnston, DCReport.org. How you doing? Uh, doing just fine. So, David, here's the premise, that, in my premise anyway, that government always has an agency problem. It's, therefore, I never want the government to have money or power. I want to starve the government from money and power. Now, as a liberal, people say we want the government to help redistribute wealth lower, but that's never what happens. The Republicans and the Democrats create policies, whether it's health care or tax bills, that redistribute the, the wealth higher. It is a welfare program, an entitlement program for the rich that is bankrupting our economy, not the, 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 the handouts and entitlements for the poor. And that's how it is in every socialist system. The government is always corrupted by the rich. So why well, do people, why do liberals want big government? Well, I don't know why liberals want big government, but let me start off with, I absolutely agree with your premise, and I've written a series of best-selling books about this massive hidden upward redistribution program. One of my favorite examples is the uh, uh, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, an agency almost nobody's ever heard of, that's funded not by the taxpayers, but by the energy industry, and it sets monop rates for monopolies like pipelines. And under its rules, pipeline companies get to collect not just their corporate income tax, 35% of their profits, but the grossed up corporate income tax, which is 54% of their profits. Uh, here's the problem. Since 1987, the pipelines have been exempt from that tax, and yet they get to collect it and force you to pay it. So every time you put gas in your car or turn on the stove to heat water for coffee or tea, you're paying this tax. Now, it's not a lot of money by one measure. But, but uh, it's not even a it's, tax then, because it's being pocketed uh, by private industry. So that's right. No, that's, and this is that's why it's just, such a good example. And here's why nothing happens about it. I calculated that it was a little over $3 billion a year. Congress did a study because of my work. They said I was wrong. It's $2 billion a year. $2 billion, $3 billion. We're in the same basic ballpark. But that works out to be depending on whose calculation you use, either two pennies a day per American or three pennies a day per American. So I'll tell you what, Cody, let's start the stop the two penny a day scam in taxes. And that's how these devices work. They're complicated. It took me an incredible amount of time to figure this thing out. David, uh, can you explain the same sort of concept that drives me crazy is the Hollywood tax credit here in New Mexico. Right. If a, 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 a giant billion dollar corporation from Hollywood comes into New Mexico, not only do we not charge them any taxes, even though we give, give them, them money. fires and uh, we give them fire engine, you know, we give them protection, we give them police and all the services that come with the tax dollars that I'm paying, but we literally write them a welfare check for being yeah. here. 
Yeah, it's exactly what we do. And it's, it's in my book, Free Lunch, is about all these hidden subsidies and showing how, in many cases, the subsidy is many times the value of whatever economic activity is going on. In a market economy, we shouldn't have these things. There are times when there's market failure and you need to provide a subsidy to get something to happen. Adam Smith understood that. He wrote about it in The Wealth of Nations. But we have turned the subsidy idea on its head. In particular, we've been giving subsidies to retail stores. Retail stores don't add value. They're the end of the economic chain. If you're going to hand out subsidies, let's put the subsidies into uh, research uh, or perhaps mining or manufacturing, but, but not the end of the chain where it cannot even, add I value. I got one worse than retail. Here in Lincoln County, New Mexico, they bailed out the the track, the racetrack, the horse racetrack owner couldn't pay his $800,000 tax bill apparently. So we taxed every single person in this county a sales tax on every transaction. Every tra tourist that came here paid it. Yep. And we wrote him an $800,000 welfare check. And guess what? He sold the track. Yeah, and this is going on all over the country. Uh, sports stadiums are built with your tax dollars. Cabela's and Bass Pro were built primarily with your tax dollars, not through the private enterprise system. And there's an underlying reason for this. Uh, after Watergate, and I covered a little piece of Watergate back when I was a very young man, um, we enacted a whole series of campaign reform laws, campaign finance reform laws at the federal level, at the state level, and at local levels. They backfired. They were supposed to make campaign finance more open and to have large numbers of people involved. Instead, highly concentrated donations from a very narrow group of people who make money off the government have taken over the system. And yeah. both parties have to swim in this same river here, this utterly corrupt river of people who want government handouts for their companies because it's easier to mine the treasury or the government rule book for gold than to earn it in the competitive marketplace. It has gotten to the point where I tell people that I, in my lifetime, I have never seen a single law proposed, much less passed, whether it's Obamacare or healthcare subsidies for elderly people or Trump's tax package or wars. The, every single thing that, these, that the Republican Democrat regime has done in my lifetime has been paid for and funded by a that's by someone who has a monetary gain at at risk there and they want those laws they want the war they want to send us they 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 suspend habeas corpus and it's all done by someone who's lobbying for it there is no law passed anymore there's no law even there's nobody thinking about the poor person anymore in this country there's no law well, nobody thinking about a level playing field Every Republican, every Democrat in power spends their time being courted by lobbyists and big business. Right. And it, it, petitioning the government for a redress of grievances, which is what lobbying is, is a constitutional right. The problem is that the only people who have members of Congress and senators on speed dial are wealthy, influential people. That's a real core fundamental problem. Secondarily, in the 60s and 70s uh, and parts of the 80s, we had all sorts of organizations that were focused on working people and poor people. There were large uh, interdenominational and denominational uh, social justice movements. Uh, one of them owned a, a large office building uh, uh, in New York City. 
Um, we had unions at, one, at their peak representing 37% of private sector workers. Those have all been diminished. So the only people with large amounts of money to influence policy now are corporations. And the underlying problem with that is that we have misunderstood and legally changed the status of a corporation. Corporations are incredibly valuable, important assets for encouraging risk-taking and encouraging investment and efficiently handling business processes. But our U.S. Supreme Court has literally granted religious rights to corporations in the Hobby Lobby case. You know, dear mammon, we pray to thee forever greater profits. I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, and the underlying problem of all of this, Cody, is that damn campaign finance system. Uh, my wife was asked if she might be interested in running for Congress, and she sort of thought, well, kind of cool. And then I said, I want you to think about raising money. She's a professional uh, fundraiser who heads a large charitable endowment. And she went, oh, my God, no, I can't do that. Uh, not, not the way they have to do it. And I said, yeah, I mean, you're the kind of person who should be in Congress, but you're not never will be because of the campaign finance system. We've got to fix that system. Two thoughts. Number one, uh, my daughter made this from some items we bought at Hobby Lobby, I'm embarrassed to say, which actually underscores my next thought. Everything seems to perpetuate this system, and I don't know how to avoid. I shop local as much as I possibly can. I, I vocalize my, my anger at all of this welfare that is handed out upwardly, and I'm not, I don't want welfare handed downwardly either, but if we're going to have a welfare program, I certainly don't want to pro put money into the richest people around me pockets yeah. through the yeah. government redistribution. How do we fix it? How do we stop well, it? I say blockchain democracy. I say no longer can people pull a lever. I want to make it much harder for the government to figure out how to get any control and any power together and any parties in power so that they just can't keep doing this endlessly. Other than that, what are we going to do? Well, a couple of things here. One is, you know, we didn't dig ourselves into this hole overnight. It took 40 years. We need to re-educate the public and get people to understand how much of their tax dollars are not going to public benefit, but are instead going to private benefit. Uh, secondly, my what, what next book, which What percentage do you think I'm, it is? I'm would sorry? Would you say it's probably, I, I, be, I would think probably 80% of welfare, do, 80 cents out of every welfare dollar is redistributed higher to someone who's a co giant corporation or a billionaire who's avoiding paying even their 30% of taxes, which the guy who's making 300,000 or a million dollars a year is probably make, paying 45% in taxes. Who, what percentage of welfare is going upward versus downward? Our tax system was designed in the early 20th century. When Congress debated capital gains taxes, they literally used the life cycle of a cow to <laughs> understand how capital gains work. 40% of people were tied to the farm back you. then. That's absolutely true. It's in the congressional record. The new tax system that I have created encourages domestic capital investment. It does not require the filing of tax returns. It is almost impossible to cheat. You have to engage in a criminal conspiracy with somebody, and the other person would lose everything they have if they get caught. I mean, there's draconian measures here to ensure honesty. It is based entirely on existing law, however, what I do is take the 3,600 pages of the federal tax code that's full of all these giveaways and favors for the well-connected uh, campaign donors and go back to basics of the system 
and I remove the policies that favor uh, non-industrial uh, companies, digital companies, over industrial companies. The biggest thing we need to do is stop having so much of our intellectual firepower focused on our tax system. We need to go back to the principles that were laid out by uh, Adam Smith and Jeremy Bentham and David Ricardo about taxes, principles that in some cases go back 4,000 years and are therefore profoundly conservative. And we need to recognize that we don't need to have all these little favors. What we need to have is a system that is simple, fair, efficient, honest, and that encourages savings and in particular domestic capital investment. The law we just passed in December 2017 it actually rewarded companies for having offshore investments and it extended to Apple and a number of other companies eight-year interest-free loans to pay their taxes. Can you imagine, Cody, how well off you'd be if the government said, hey, the taxes show this year, we're going to give you an interest-free loan for eight years and then you can pay us. David, you probably also know that Apple has actually been borrowing billions of dollars overseas at a negative interest rate, right. partly as a function of the bailouts and the 0% interest rates that the banks got back 10 years ago. Yep. All this ties in. You said something that this stuff goes back 4,000 years. And I actually have been just recently reading, going back and reading stuff uh, 4,000 years old because a lot of the, the, even, by the way, the guy who created the first hedge fund, uh, Alfred Winslow Jones, um, took well, his 20%. Well, one of the people who claims he had the first hedge fund. <laughs> Say that again. Well, uh, we'll one of the several people who claim to be first. <laughs> Fine, fair enough. But the point being, he is the one who took the 20% profits that hedge funds to this day take, right. and he actually took that from the Phoenicians the right. merchant sailors took 20% of the goods that they were transporting if they got a successful, uh, if they were successful in getting across. David K. Johnson, I'll give you the last words. What do you think? Well, I think that our democracy is in deep trouble, that taxes are at the core of our democracy, that we shouldn't be handing out welfare to people who don't need a leg up, and that the solution to this at the end of the day lies with individual Americans. Citizenship is your first duty, and you need to be informed, you need to understand policies, and we need to have a Congress that's not dependent, both Democrats and Republicans, on a very narrow base of super wealthy donors. Or we're going to have a government of, by, and for the oligarchs, rather than of, by, and for the people. Amen. I just hope it's not already present tense, rather than future tense. I said I'd give you the last words, but I always sneak in something. I personally don't even understand why our news organizations are partisan at all. I thought they were supposed to be the, a check, a balance to the whole system, not a check or balance to one perceived side or the other. Well, you know, this country started out with party press uh, in the beginning when Thomas Jefferson said, given a choice between a government without newspapers and newspapers without a government, he would choose the newspapers. Uh, everything was partisan press and things were just made up. I think the fundamental distinction that's arisen between MSNBC, which has carved out for itself an audience of uh, liberals and progressives, and CNN, which is trying to carve out a position in the middle, and Fox, which has been described by many people as Trump TV or Republican TV, is that Fox has a well-documented reputation for not having adherence to the facts and spouting some fairly crazy 
conspiratorial stuff from time to time. Now, David, but the other two at least the... try to invite other people on and be a little more even-handed about the facts, but they clearly have a perspective on, on the news. There's no question about that. You sound partisan in that answer. Well, I'm a registered Republican. Um, I, no, I think what I'm doing is describing, based on my 52 years of experience in this business, uh, what I perceive to be going on. I mean, I think there's, there's no question that all news organizations have a perspective. Uh, about 40 years ago, the LA Times media writer, David Shaw, who was the first person to have that as a beat in the country, did an extensive analysis over a year of the five big daily newspapers, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, USA Today, and the Wall Street Journal. And he showed that once you uh, remove the weather story uh, and whatever the president had to say, that the front pages were completely different. They just had very little overlap because what editors thought was news in LA was not what editors in Washington or New York thought was news. Um, on the other hand, what news reports always do is attribute and provide verifiable information. And unfortunately, in the case of Fox, and I do think this is very unfortunate for society, there's been an awful lot of research and reports showing that Fox, the main Fox News channel, um, often provides material that has scanty to no evidence. And I, let me give you the best example of that that I know of. I'll bet, Cody, you believe, like almost all Americans, that the IRS back in 2010 was targeting conservative groups. My gosh, of course I do not believe that. I, am, oh. I don't even understand the term conservative versus liberal well, in, this, in the way okay. we describe things back, today. So no, I'm not buying that at all, David. I'm the wrong right. guy to ask that question to. Well, back in 2010, uh, Lois Lerner, the uh, head of the IRS tax-exempt organizations, um, got into trouble, and I was the first person to call for her to resign. Um, and the issue that arose was a report to Congress showing that conservative groups applying for tax-exempt status were being held up by the IRS. Um, this, there's plenty of surveys showing that this is a widely held belief. I give talks and TV appearances. People bring this up all the time. In fact, the IRS was absolutely even-handed. They were holding up the applications of progressive groups, uh, centrist groups, conservative groups, who in their applications on their face indicated they were going to engage in illegal activity. And the only groups who had their nonprofit status revoked were progressive organizations, and just two of them. Um, the guy who made the decision to do this was a self-described conservative Republican who, uh, when uh, interviewed by congressional investigators, said that uh, his staff had brought him uh, these documents, applications for nonprofit status, that on their face were improper. Uh, and the analogy I would make here is a building inspector is brought plans for a building. He looks at him. He says that building's a fire trap, or it'll fall down in a in a in a strong storm, and orders you to go back and redo it. But they were absolutely even-handed. But there's an enormous. The Wall Street Journal, um, uh, among other places, for example, has frequently written, so has the New York Times, that conservatives were targeted. And it's because the initial news story was misleading. And the news heard, as it often does, gets an idea and they run with that idea without paying attention to subsequent facts that show the original report was wrong. But David, 
I would push back on you. I have just as little respect for any cable news organization. I don't see it through a partisan filter. I see it through an anti-partisan filter. I go back to your answers to me as an outsider who truly is, I, do, I am not a registered Republican or a Democrat. I never vote for Republicans or Democrats. I believe that we should have maybe blockchain democracy or a write-in democracy. Okay. I am anti-partisan in my, all my principles here and my viewpoints. So as I look at your answers, as I listen to how you're ex describing Fox versus MSNBC, it sounds like you think MSNBC is better at not reporting misleading news or something. Well, I think the whole yeah, thing yeah, is here, a shame. I, I, I get your point, Cody. Um, I, I see this through the lens of market economics. Uh, news is a competitive business, not nearly as competitive as it was when I started out in the late 60s and as a teenager was a front-page staff writer at the San Jose Mercury, but it's still a competitive business. And in cable news, what we've seen is an effort to slice the market here. So MSNBC has gone after progressives. Uh, Fox has gone after conservatives, and uh, uh, the right, news but would that you, they present would you argue reflects that those market decisions. The, it, would you argue that MSNBC is somehow more accurate in their news reporting than Fox? I would say that's um, ludicrous. They're both. They're uh, no, all I, inaccurate. I, I would absolutely, I would absolutely argue that, and I'll tell you why. Because there is plenty of research by scholars, people whose job is studying the nature of news people who are communication and professors I'm so and others. Cynical. And they've documented the quite extensively. is probably partisan too. I'm not buying their research either. David, all of uh, this I sort think, of underscores. I think, Cody, that's a real problem. That's a real problem. I think that when you have people who use verifiable information, who invite all perspectives onto their shows, and who correct prominently when they make a mistake, one of the things Fox, Saturday Night Live made jokes about this, how Fox... Uh, fact-checking, you know, said, oh, we have these these corrections, and they would roll by the screen line after line. Uh, there have been well-documented cases of where Fox would make one correction that uh, before dawn in the morning after broadcasting something for days. And so I'm not arguing that MSNBC or CNN are better than Fox in terms of their perspective. They have a, a market they're trying to appeal to, and they certainly look at things through a lens that will appeal to that market. But I do think that they do a better job of dealing in fact, and I think that's been independently established by people who don't have any skin in that game. Last question about the news, and then I want to move, yeah. move over to your true expertise, uh, although you're an expert in news, obviously, also, but tax. And, 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 right. and I'm, someone told me the other day on Twitter that I'm obsessed with tax rates, and yet how could I say that both parties are the same and I didn't really get the connection but we're going to get to taxes my question here is you know you mentioned that business news is a that news is a competitive business right. you know I remember in the 70s and 80s and 90s that television news was a lost leader it was not supposed to be making money uh, for ABC NBC CBS it was done as part of the public good. It was part of them being able to have a license. And for most of the time, except for rare exceptions at the t very top of a cycle, the news, TV news was a money losing industry. Actually, TV news was an incredibly profitable business um, and, and, and phenomenally profitable. 
What's happened in television news is that you have these very expensive global operations. Um, I know that when I was at the LA Times, a newspaper, which has much lower costs than television, the Nairobi Bureau apparently had a staff of somewhere between 50 and 100 people, mostly for the security of the correspondent and the correspondent's family. And foreign news operations, hiring private jets to get you somewhere when something happens, uh, transmitting um, a film in the old days and, and video more recently is a very, very expensive process. But news made a lot of money. But back then, we didn't have as many channels. Uh, now we have, as the saying goes, 500 channels. And when you divide the market up that much, profitability goes down the drain. Now, I'm sure that all three of the big cable shows are incredibly profitable. I mean, we know that Fox in particular, because of the reports of the parent corporation, is an incredibly profitable operation. And MSNBC would not be adding staff and doing the things they're doing if they weren't making money. CNN, I'm not so sure about, uh, because I haven't looked at, at their financials. But the splitting the market into more and more and more uh, separate units in television, not print, but television, where, as you know, costs are fantastically high, uh, that certainly has put a damper on the kind of news we get. So we get, you know, notice how much of the evening news on the three networks, and I watch all three of them every night, is weather. Cheap news weather. David K. Johnson, thanks so much for being here, everybody. We'll be right back with sports. A former CNBC and Fox News anchor, hedge fund manager, and the go-to stock market guest for The Tonight Show, Cody Willard and his stock analysis have been published in the Financial Times, The Wall Street Journal, Fortune Magazine, and many other places. Want to follow his secrets to investment success? Go to tradingwithcody.com. There you can get analysis on stocks, cryptos, markets, and the economy, a full list of Cody's positions, access to Cody's chat room, trade alerts every time Cody buys or sells, and much more. To find out more, go to tradingwithcody.com. It's time for sports with Ross the Boss. Ross, take it away. Hi, I'm Ross the Boss, and I want to talk sports with you, cowboy. Big sports week. As we know, the World Series is over. I know Cody's upset because, you know, he loves baseball. He doesn't. He hates baseball. But congratulations, Red Sox. You guys are world champions. Um, it, was, it was kind of a, you know, I watched the 18-inning fiasco on Friday night. I fell asleep at 11. Um, I'm happy the Dodgers won at least one game, right? Um, but Red Sox, far, far, far superior team. Congratulations again. I have a lot of Red Sox fans that write me and call me. Um, Well-deserved. Um, great team. Great season. Congrats. That's all for baseball until March. No more baseball. Uh, NFL trade deadline. Some big moves. A lot of receivers have been moved around here and there. Green Bay Packers decided to trade away Ty Montgomery. If you don't know who he is, he's the running back that um, fumbled the ball. Um, the Rams were winning 29-27, three minutes left. And your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. So anytime they're down by two or six points, whatever it is, they're going to win the game. So this guy decides, instead of downing the ball two, two yards deep in the touchdown on the kickoff, he decides to run it out. What's he do? He fumbles. 
One day later, they trade him. Bye-bye. Uh, sorry, Ty Montgomery, but, um, you know, it's a team sport. You can't play individual uh, here. So, basically, Ty's gone. Great season. Not really, but he's gone. One mistake. Aaron Rodgers could have won that game. Talking about the Rams, they're 7-0. and They're the team to beat. Big game this week. They're in New Orleans. The Saints are my second favorite team this year. They're playing great. Um, again, they're, they're, they've won like five or six games in a row. They're playing great football. Um, the Rams could lose their first game. This is the only game I think the Rams can lose. If they don't lose this game, they can be 16-0. So we'll see what happens. I'm taking the Saints. I think it's it. I think it just plays into the Saints game. They're playing in New Orleans. That crowd will go crazy. It's indoors. Drew Brees. We'll see what happens. I like the Saints, but we never we never know what's going to happen. Um, let's talk NBA basketball. I don't know if you saw this. Clay Thompson broke the record with fourteen three pointers. Fourteen in twenty seven minutes. He didn't play the whole game. He didn't even play the fourth quarter. He broke the record. Steph Curry, who had the record, kept feeding the ball. He wasn't missing. I mean, he had 52 points, 27 minutes. It sounds crazy. It sounds like a video game. But and the crazy thing is, he's the third or fourth best player on Golden State. I mean, you got you got Durant, you got Curry, you got Green, and then you got Thompson. You know, this team, if they decided, hey, let's win every game this year, I bet they could win 80 games if they decided to do that. You know what I mean? If they said, we'll play, we're going to concentrate on every game this year and and we'll try to win, and I bet they could win 80 games. They're that good. They're, they've won two titles in a row. It's going to be three titles this year easily. I mean, I don't even know why you watch the regular season or playoffs. Just give Golden State the trophy now. They're that good, um, and especially with Cousins coming back on the team in January, which is going to be amazing. Um, let's talk about L.A. Lakers. They're 2-5. and 2-5. and five. LeBron James is already, like, saying stuff like this is in insanity. You know, he's saying they're not playing well. He's getting very frustrated. LeBron, what do you expect? You come to L.A., you join a team that's very young, no other stars on the team. You're the only guy that's a star. Okay. Don't I want to hear about the other guys? Or they're, they're not stars. They're not stars. LeBron, you're the only star on the team. Okay. So let's not play games. You're pretending like, oh, I thought we we're going to have a great team. No, you didn't. You came here to make movies. You came here to make TV shows. You came here for acting. You came here for the weather. You came here for a lot of reasons. It's not to win championships. Stop pretending. I mean, oh, you know what I mean? And the Clippers are the best team in LA anyway. So, so there you go, LeBron. Uh, good, good luck this season. I don't think you'll break 45 wins. Probably won't even break 40 wins this year. Um, you won't make the playoffs. Stop whining. Stop crying. It's not. It's not. It's a team sport. So don't take it all on your shoulders. But you, your team will get better. You're two and five. You started slow, but it's fine. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with LeBron. Um, I don't know if you saw this story, but really back to go back to NFL, Jacksonville Jaguars, they decided in London the night before the game, they went to some sex club. It's like a sex circus club where they do like sex circus acts. And they decided to go out and a bunch of players went out, four of them and like a few guys from the team. The bill ended up being like for $64,000, $64,000. They were buying champagne bottles at $5.50 a pop. The bill comes. They thought it was comp because, oh, we're big celebrities. We wanted to pay for this. So security came, 4 in the morning. They finally figured out the bill. They were detained for like eight hours. 
like eight hours later, they were playing football in London. They lost 2014, just so everybody knows. But it's kind of pathetic that um, go to London for play football the night before you're at some sex circus club, private club, actually. Um, I've never been to it, but I'm curious. Um, but that, <laughs> but we'll see what it, it just it just shows you. The Jaguars have lost three games in a row. They're not playing well. Um, they're you know they're pointing fingers at everybody. But how about not going to do a sex club the night before a, a football game? Um, how about that, Jaguar fans? How about blaming your coach? Talking about blaming coaches. Hugh Jackson got fired from the Cleveland Browns. Let me give you a clue. If you decide to do a reality show, Hard Knocks, and you're on camera and you come across as being very arrogant and not and not that humble, and and you and you have an announcement that oh, I'm going to make an announcement that my second string quarterback is the Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield. If you do that on television, you're it's not a good sign. No, I never heard of somebody announcing who the second string quarterback is in any in any level in college, high school, pro. It's never happened, but it happened this time with uh, Baker Mayfield and Hugh Jackson. Well, Hugh Jackson lost his job, you know, and so did Todd um, Harley, who's the offensive coordinator. He's gone too. They only kept the one guy they kept is Greg Williams, who's the defensive coordinator. And he's the guy that worked for the Saints that decided to put bounties on people's heads during football games when he was with the Saints. And he's like a crazy loudmouth coach. I mean, they kept the one coach that's that's crazy. To me, it's like, I don't know what the Browns are doing. I don't know who they're bringing in, but good luck to that organization. They're they're two, five, and one. The Jets are three and five. The Colts are three and five. They're optimistic. But the Browns aren't. I mean, I thought the Browns were playing pretty well. They were in football games. They were playing well. I mean, I I, I don't know why they fired Hugh, but I guess they just couldn't handle all the fighting, in-house fighting, and Baker didn't go get along with them supposedly. But Hugh Jackson, you're gone. Bye bye. Ross, the boss, will miss you. Um, he'll get another job, folks. So let's not pretend. Um, college football, um, big game this this week on college football. Alabama, number one in the country. Versus LSU, number three in the country. I'm taking Bama. I'll give the 14 points. Doesn't matter. They'll destroy LSU. They're the best team in the country. The power ratings came out in college football. Bama's one. Clemson's two. LSU's three. Notre Dame's four. That could be the that, that could be the final four. I mean, it could be, but we'll see what happens. Um, but that's the big college football game. As I mentioned, the big pro game. It's the Rams. It's the Saints. That's a big game. And you also got um, the, you've got some other games too, but my, my favorite game is the Rams and the Saints. Um, it should be a bloodbath. Um, the other game is Green Bay, the Patriots. I like. If I had to pick a team, I'll take I'll take Green Bay. I'll take the six points. That's your Sunday night game. It should be good. Um, I like watching Green Bay, and it's Rodgers against Brady. He can't go wrong watching that game. You've got the best two quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. Um, you got the GOAT. you got the best quarterback in the league right now is Aaron Rodgers. It'll be a great game. I'm excited for this week. I'm Ross the Boss. I love talking sports with you, cowboy. That's a wrap. I'm Cody Willard. That was the Cody Willard Show. We'll see you soon. Peace, love, and happiness.